Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word.
New series entitled, What's Missing? Standing out in cancel culture. Uh, We're going to journey together over the next several weeks uh, to see just how the church can stand out in a culture that turns its back so often. So I invite you to turn to John chapter 11 today as we consider the message entitled, Exemplified Empathy. Exemplified Empathy. Have you ever had someone... Uh, kind of chuckle at you when you a- ask a life question. Maybe you can think of a time where there was an important life question you asked of someone, and they kind of, they're, they're a little bit older, further down the road, kind of, and, and, and they kind of chuckle at you for, for, you know, even asking it, and they, they say things like this, you'll find out soon enough, or bless your heart. You know, these are kinds of responses that we get where we're asking some questions there. It's almost as if we withhold information because nobody gave us those answers, right? It's like nobody gave me that answer along the way, so I'm not going to give you the answer. You're just going to have to wait and find out yourself. Or maybe it's like a parenting question, right? So, so you don't have teenagers yet, but you ask someone that has had teenagers grow up in their house, and they say something like, you just wait. You just, you just wait. And so there, there's this, these, these answer to questions that they, they're, also, they're almost kind of like auto-generated responses, if you will, to life's questions. Because life's questions, they're, they're not always clear. Uh, and and they're, they're really, really difficult to answer some of these questions. And, and in life, we kind of have to accept that. We, ha- we have to accept that there's diff- difficult conversations, difficult circumstances, uh, even difficult answers to give. In life, and this is why the reality of empathy is so valuable. It's been said that a definition of empathy is your hurt in my heart. Your hurt in my heart. And empathy is valuable because whenever we're like Jesus, that has value. And our Lord, He provides a pure example, a pure empathy of example for us to hear, to see and even to emulate in our life. You see, Jesus being fully God and fully man, it means that he shows us the purest form of humanity. And that's why he illuminates as as being the light of the world. Jesus illuminates for you and for I what true empathy looks like. Now let's consider culture for a minute. The culture that we find ourselves navigating, the culture that we find ourselves living in during this time when we, when we think about culture, it's a lot different, isn't it? It's a lot different because we find ourselves seeing more and more that we live in a cancel culture. And when we think about the cancel culture we live in, empathy is a rare commodity. Now you may be thinking, well, Pastor, what do you mean by cancel culture? What do we mean by that? What, what is cancel culture? Well, I got a brief definition I want to share with you this morning. And cancel culture is this. Cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for, i.e. canceling, withdrawing support for public figures and companies after they've done or said something considered objecti- objectionable or offensive. So this is what we mean when we talk about cancel culture. We're going to cancel somebody out because we object to what they share, we object to what they have done, we object to what they project, or, or, or we just define that offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in a form of group shaming. So to engage in this, when we engage in the culture and we engage in cancel culture actions, we're shaming someone else. 
And so this is part of the environment we find ourselves in. That's why empathy is such a rare commodity. Empathy is such a rare commodity in our culture. It may be rare in our culture, but hear me, friend, empathy should never be rare in the church. Empathy should never be rare among God's people. Empathy should never be a characteristic that is not included in the congregation of God's people. And so when we think about this path of empathy, Jesus gives a path of empathy for his disciples. Jesus carves out for us the path of empathy. And so it's our job to take the on-ramp of Scripture to engage in what true empathy is and to follow where Jesus leads. And this leads us to our big idea for this morning. And the big idea for today is empathy exemplifies Jesus. Empathy exemplifies Jesus. When we say you're hurt in my heart, we're exemplifying our Savior. We're exemplifying our Lord. So let's, let's take a moment together this morning, turn to God's holy word, and turn to John chapter 11. And we're going to begin in verse 28. This is a f- familiar passage for many of us if we've grown up in church. We, we've probably come across this passage where, where Jesus' friend Lazarus has passed away. And now we come to the part in, in the scene here, what we're going to be exploring is, is this part where Jesus arrives. He's been gone, heard about it. Now he's arrived and he encounters two sisters, Martha and Mary. And this is what's written in John's gospel. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? So as we walk into this scene in John's gospel, we see a lot happening. But mainly what we see happening is we see someone grieving because Jesus was not physically present when their family member passed away. But yet, in all of this, in this scenario, what is woven into this is the true empathy that Jesus shows. The true empathy we can identify from our Savior as he perfectly fulfills what humanity is to be about when it comes to empathy. I remember going to youth group, youth camp in in the summers, Gulf Shores Baptist Assembly, down on the coast. And to join in some of those activities, they would have activities in different tracks in in the afternoons. To join in some of those activities, you would have to walk up and you would have to share a memory verse. A verse of scripture that you knew from memory. And then they would like give you the ticket or whatever or let you join in on, on the volleyball game or whatever it is and you could join in. 
And so it was just a way of them to try to reinforce learning Scripture, knowing Scripture. Well, as young youth group guys, we thought we were slick. And the reason we thought we were slick is we said, hey, we know the shortest verse in all the Bible. Like nobody had ever thought of that before. We, we were the ones that thought of that, you know. And so we wanted to go out and have fun in the activity. And so we quoted John 11.35. Two words, shortest verse in all the Bible, John 11.35, Jesus wept. Now I know y'all got masks on and I can't really see y'all's faces, but I know I'm not the only one in here that's ever done that. John 11.35, Jesus exemplifies for you and for me empathy. He carves out for us what empathy looks like. John 11.35 may be the shortest verse in the, in the Bible, but it reveals the deep heart of our Savior. Jesus has now arrived at the tomb. He had been gone. He's arrived at the tomb. This is the, how, the, the, the setting of the scene. Have you ever been in a graveyard? Yeah, we've all been in a graveyard at some point, right? Now, depending on the season of life you're in, the graveyard has different connotations, right? I can remember going to the graveyard when my grandmother died and I was a young boy. Graveyard was different than as I minister to families now that are losing a loved one and burying them. There's a lot more I understand now than I ever did then. And so this is our setting, this graveyard. And depending on the stage of life we find ourselves in, the graveyard and death can look different to us, but it shows us that death is a reality. And death was even a reality for Jesus because of his mission to go to the cross, the wonderful cross that we sing about. And so we arrive in this scene at John's Gospel, and Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, he's standing in a place that's marked by death. But death was not all that Jesus encountered in this scene. Death was not all that he encountered. Death seems to be synced all the time with some form of disbelief. Whenever we face death, whenever death comes to the surface, whenever we're walking through grief, there seems to be this temptation to not believe. And this is what Jesus finds as he comes back. As he comes back, as he returns to visit his close friends, Jesus is met with questions regarding unbelief. Mary says this, Lord, if you'd have been here. She runs out to him, and she's crying out to him. And in some translations it says, Lord, if only, if only you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, a side note is this. We all have if-only statements in our life. We all have if-only statements in our life. Some of you listening and watching online, you have an if-only statement in your life right now. If only the Lord would have answered this prayer. If only I would have gotten the money that I needed at this time. If only they hadn't walked out. If only, Jesus, you would have made him trust me more. We have all kinds of if-only statements. But the key thing about an if-only statement is 
is that it's linked to disbelief. It's not linked to faith. And what we see happening with Mary, as she falls down and calls him Lord, she also says, if only, Lord, if you'd only been here, if you'd only done this for us, things would be so much different now. And all this comes from a heart that is hurting. It comes from a heart that is grieving. And one application we need to recognize from this passage is, is that you and I, we must lay down the if-only statements. And we must turn to the one and only Savior. We must lay down the if-only statements that are coming from a broken heart, a a hurting heart, a dire situation. And we must turn to the one and only that can redeem us, that can restore us, that can work through any situation. Because guess what? No matter the circumstance, even if the circumstance is death, it doesn't mean that Jesus can't work in that moment. And that's what we see from this full passage. If we had time to walk through all of it, and we see that, that Lazarus is called out from being dead and brought back to life. The circumstances of death did not hinder what Jesus could do in this passage. So friend, the circumstances you face, it doesn't mean that Jesus is bound or hindered by them. It means that we turn to him in faith because he is the one and only Savior that can show us the empathy our hearts desires. Jesus in his full humanity, he has a full range of emotions here. John records that he's deeply moved. Now it's hard for us to see this in the English, but in the original language of the New Testament, Jesus is is dealing with some, some troubling thoughts and troubling emotions as he sees this disbelief play out. But also we see that even though this disbelief, it moves him in a certain way, we see in John 11, 35, that his friend had passed, and his friends were hurting, and he wept. Because he was there with them. He was next to them in their grief. And in this two-word verse, we see the heart of a Savior and the empathy he shows. That he wept, as my seminary professor Charles Quarles would say, There are no tearless ministries. There are no tearless ministries, and we see that in the life of Jesus. That he wept, and he was moved. And yes, he was struggling with the unbelief that he saw there, but in his heart as being fully man, fully human, he was showing empathy as his tears flowed in that moment. He gives us the example of empathy that we need. A Savior Savior that is empathetic. He is empathetic to those that he loves. And friend, come here close. Remember this. Don't ever forget this. He loves you. He loves you no matter what. He loves you no matter where you've been or where you're going. He loves you. And he's empathetic to the circumstances and the hurt that you face. And he's present. He's present in that hurt. It is in the Savior the Savior whose name is Jesus, who is in the circumstances of our life with us. that We don't have to struggle with death. We don't have to fear death's sting because in Jesus, death's sting has been quarantined. That's the good kind of quarantine, amen? 
There is hope in a risen Savior who is empathetic, who has taken our hurt into his heart, who has gone to the cross, and we proclaim it is a wonderful cross because redemption and atonement is found in the presence of Jesus. And in that moment, death is conquered. And we can rejoice in that. And we see that Jesus gives us the example of empathy that we need. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he exemplifies empathy. But in the office of high priest, he continually empathizes. And I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, if you have your Bible with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Because the second principle, empathy exemplifies Jesus. That's our big idea. We've seen that Jesus gives us that example. The second principle we see is that Jesus relates to our need for empathy. He relates to it. And we see this as the author of Hebrews describes our high priest, the office of high priest that Jesus holds. Jesus holds some offices theologically. The high priest, king, and prophet. These are all offices that Jesus holds and that Jesus perfectly holds. And so the author of Hebrews is talking about the high priest. Now, just a quick detour. The high priest in the Old Testament had some roles, had some responsibilities. One of those roles was on one day of the year for all of the people, all the nation of God. He would go to the most holy place in the temple and he would atone by sprinkling blood of a perfect sacrifice. In that room, he would atone for the sin of the people. It's known as the Day of Atonement. So Jesus perfectly fulfills this role for us that no longer physically does that have to take place, but he did that once and for all for you and for me, and we place our faith in Jesus, and in Jesus alone, he atones for our sins. And so the author of Hebrews is writing about this, and he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus per- perfectly fulfills this office because he was without sin. He's not only the high priest, he's the perfect sacrifice. But he sympathizes. He sympathizes with us. He feels for us in our sin because he knows what it's like because he's he's walked in our time in our space because of the incarnation because he was born of a virgin so walking as we have walked he sympathizes with us and that leads him to empathy placing our hurt into his heart he knows what we are experiencing Jesus perfectly fulfills this in our Savior's sympathy. It leads him to empathy in our life. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. No matter the circumstance, he is present. He is with us. He is in the fire. He is in the flood. The Bible says that he is near the brokenhearted. Listen to what Psalm 34 verse 18 says. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. This is who the Lord is. The Lord who is the one who is near the brokenhearted, saving those who are crushed in spirit. No matter the circumstances, no matter what we're facing, no matter the heartache, no matter the grief, no matter the the trust that's been broken, no matter any of that, Jesus sympathizes with us and he is near to us 
And when he is near to us, he is showing us that he empathizes with us because he doesn't leave us and he doesn't forsake. He is there. He is present. Jesus gives us the perfect example of empathy to follow because empathy exemplifies Jesus. The empathy that we show will exemplify Jesus to those who need it most. And so the final principle that I want to leave with you today is that Jesus calls the church to follow his example. That in a canceled culture, what's missing? What's missing in a canceled culture? I would venture to say that empathy is missing in a canceled culture. But the church... The church is called to follow Jesus on the path of empathy. You know, there's power in presence, right? There's power in in just being present for someone. Oftentimes, someone will will ask me if if they're going to visit a family or a friend who's lost a loved one. They'll, They'll say things to me like this. Well, you know, it's really tough. I just don't know what to say. And I try to encourage them that, that's okay. You, you don't always have to know what to say. Because what's going to be remembered is not necessarily the words that you give in that moment. What's going to be remembered is that you were there. Because there's power in presence. And the presence of Jesus provides us with the power of knowing what empathy is all about. Your hurt in my heart. That I come along and I sit next to you in your grief and in your mourning and in your hurt. And friend, that's going to look so different in a cancel culture. That is going to make disciples and churches stand out in a cancel culture. And it's what we are called to as the church to follow and emulate Jesus. In a culture that wants to distinctly divide, the church must be present. The church must stand out. The church must live out what is missing in a culture. Not join in and look like the culture. The church must be different and not carry the same divide that culture promotes. Listen, kingdom-mindedness makes us mindful for the need of empathy. If we are going to be a people that have an eternal mindset, a kingdom mindset, then we can't be brought into divisions of the culture. We must stand out and be mindful of the mission of God. And one role, one piece of that puzzle is exemplifying empathy to others. There is a world of people that are hurting. And as the church, we do not need to be part of canceling because of differences, but rather sit with them, listen to them, weep with them, rejoice with them. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 15 and 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now listen to verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. This one is rejoicing, rejoice with them. This one is weeping, sit with them in their weeping. Live in harmony with each other. That is so counter to what cancel culture is all about. But it's the call of the church. It is the call of the church. I was reminded of this recently. Over the two weeks ago now, my wife and I and our baby girl Bess, we found ourselves at Blair Batson Hospital down in Jackson. An abnormal 
blood work had moved us to take action to get her to the children's hospital down in Jackson. Because what she thought, what doctors thought, what doctors there thought was that this was leukemia. That classically when you looked at it, that's what it was. And so our minds are racing. It was hard to breathe. Everything is, is happening at a fast pace. And we find ourselves at Blair Batson High. She's getting stuck with IVs and prodded on and poked on and all these different tests and everything that's going on. And it was a, it was a tough couple of days there. And I want to say a word of thanks to every, everyone, our church family, for your support and your love during this time. Some of you may not have known about that. Nothing was definitive, so we didn't put everything out there. But we do appreciate your prayers and your support and your love during that time because it was difficult. But slowly but surely, she began to tick up. Slowly but surely, she began to rebound. By the time it was, it was there for us to leave, we were thinking, no, this, is, this isn't leukemia. And upon further test results and things coming back, the bone marrow slides came back normal. And the blood work came back normal. And we rejoiced. We rejoiced in that she wasn't as sick as we thought she was at the beginning. And we praise God for that. But here's the deal. I got a backstage pass to families dealing with so much more. I got a backstage pass at Blair Batson on little kids that are dealing with so much more. And we rejoiced in that Bess, her, her test came back, but I'm reminded of this little girl because we would take Bess on walks and we'd be walking her around the hallway because that's, that's the only place you could go. You know, couldn't go into the playroom. They had that blocked off. So you're just, you're just making loops around the hallway. There's this one little girl, and, and, and I'm serious, it, it looked like she had moved in to the hospital room. All the stuffed animals, all the toys, all the things she had brought from home. She had moved in, and we'd walk by that. And I still remember that. And I don't think I'll forget that because I want to be empathetic to those that are hurting like that. I want to be empathetic because Jesus is empathetic. I don't want to join into the culture to dismiss something like that. I want to be empathetic to those that are hurting, to those that are mourning, to those that are weeping. And Paul writes about this. And the reason why we should want to do this as the church is because this promotes harmony. You're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And as a church, we need to be about the solution. And the solution is harmony and a Savior who is empathetic and us living out our faith empathetically with those that might be hurting. Not continually digging divides and digging our heels in. Because you know what? Guess what? If you win that, you don't win eternity. And if you win that, you don't win somebody else to eternity. And if you win that, you don't win people that Jesus are calling you to go and be with. And that's why empathy is so important. And that is what's missing. It's missing in our culture. But frankly, it's starting to be missed in our churches. And that brings us away from Jesus, not to Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him. He calls us to be an example of him. 
And what's missing from our culture is empathy. May it not be said of the church that empathy is no longer present. Because empathy exemplifies Jesus. As we close, earlier I mentioned those youth camps I attended. I was the youngest in that group back then. And on a few of these trips, I got to hang out with the older guys. They were about four years. I don't know if that was good or bad, but I got to hang out with the older guys. And they were about four years older than me, but they included me. They, they let me play ball with them. They let me hang out with them. And I wanted to be like them. They played on the varsity baseball team. They had cars and trucks. They had girlfriends. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to hang out with them. I wanted their approval. I wanted to be just like them. As a disciple, we're called to be just like Jesus. Maybe you can relate. Maybe there's been somebody in your life that's been such an example for you, you want to be like them. But as a disciple following Jesus, Jesus is the one that we must seek to be just like. And he carved out what empathy is. He carved out what empathy looks like for us. And as a disciple, we should follow that path of empathy. Because what's missing in our world is those that value what empathy is. You're hurt in my heart. But as the church, as disciples of Jesus, we are called to take those steps to exemplify empathy because it exemplifies Jesus. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you in your daily life. I want you to be, you, be used because Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use us as the church. He wants to use us in a cancel culture to be different, to provide what's missing, to be empathetic, to rejoice with those that rejoice, to weep with those that weep, and to live in harmony and to promote that. Embrace empathy. You're hurt in my heart because empathy, it exemplifies Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, we bow before you today. And as we conclude our service, we know that you're not finished with us. As we conclude these moments, you're not finished with us here. You're, you're, you're ready to send us out. And so in order to be sent and to live as the church, first we, we must take that step of faith to, to join in your redemptive plan and be redeemed ourselves. And so there may be one here. Or maybe one watching, or maybe one listening today, and they've never taken that step of faith to follow you. Today may be the day of salvation for someone, where they experience your grace and they turn from their sin. There's someone here today that needs to make a decision. I want you to know that when we're through dismissing, I'm going to be around, Dan's going to be around, Jack Vernon, our student pastor, he'll be hanging around, and, and you can just come back in, and we can talk, and we can pray. Because if there is a decision you need to make for the Lord today, don't let this day go by without making it. Church, disciples, as we seek to be more like Jesus, to be, to be sent out, let's don't leave a discussion or information about empathy here at this place. But let's be committed. And let's be yielding and surrender to the example of Jesus to show empathy because empathy exemplifies him. Maybe as you're sitting here in this place and your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, or maybe as you listen today, 
The Lord is laying upon your heart someone in your life that needs that empathy. The Lord, by his power, is giving someone here today a name that you know you need to call, you need to visit, you need to text, you need to do whatever you can this week to reach out to them and to be empathetic to them and to show them the love of Jesus. I pray you would make that commitment right now, that you would be used by Jesus this week. Be glorifying to his name in that relationship with that person that he is laying upon your heart and in your mind right now. Lord, we come to a time where we do close a service, but it's really just a commissioning time. It's really just a commissioning time as your church where we are, we are sent out to live for you. We are sent out like letters. Letters to be sent out to show empathy, to show love, to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, to weep with those that are weeping, to, to promote harmony. And may it be said of us that empathy wasn't missing, but know that empathy was valued. And may your name and your renown and your glory go far because of our commitment to you, Lord. Lord, I pray as we sing this last song that our hearts and minds would solely focus upon you and worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.